welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, today we're going to talk about, I'm going to call my message, if you're writing notes, if you take notes, if you make mental notes, uh, I'm going to call today's message Little G's. Little G's. Look at your neighbor and say little G's. Not, not cheese. I'm not saying cheese. I'm saying G, like the letter in the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Little G's is what we're talking about today. And we're going to pick up sort of on a thought that we, were, that we came across in last week's message. And um, that was the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what do I got to do to get to eternal life? Do you remember this? passage of scripture we were looking at last week and he said what do I have to do to inherit eternal life and Jesus said well you know you know the scriptures they say this and so we're going to kind of pick up on this and if you would open your Bibles with you to uh, Matthew chapter 22 and we're going to look at a conversation here and then we're going to go into the Old Testament for a bit Matthew chapter 22 verse 34 is where we're going to start we're talking about little G's, little G's, and I'll tell you what I mean in a minute. Matthew 22, verse 34, in the New Living Translation, says this. I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to come back and make a few comments about it. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together, they met together to, to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with his questions. Teacher... Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, this is an important question. He comes to Jesus and he said, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replies. Jesus has an answer. And he says, well, your question is, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? I'm going to tell you what I believe the most important commandment is. This is Jesus' reply. He says, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Say all. All your soul, say all. And all your mind, say all. He says in verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbors as yourself. Verse 40 says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So the guy comes to Jesus and he says, hey, What's, what's the greatest commandment in the law? We have the Ten Commandments. We're going to look at these in a second. He says, Jesus, he's trying to trick him. He says, what's the greatest? Now, it's interesting. Jesus refers back to the Ten Commandments. And he says, I'll tell you what the greatest one is. Here's the greatest one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. That's the greatest and most important one. Then he goes on and says, love your neighbor as yourself. Then he says, on these two things hang all the laws and prophets. What does that mean? Let me tell you what it means. It means Jesus is saying that if you love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, then everything else in your life will come into line because you'll filter it through that lens of loving the Lord your God. So you don't have to worry about murdering somebody because you love God, so you're not going to say, well, I love God, but I murder people. Because you'll be filtering it through the lens of loving God. You'd say, well, God doesn't want me to murder somebody, does he? 
That's not a trick question. <laughs> Just in case you were awfully silent on that one. He says, if you filter everything through these two commands, you don't have to worry about the other stuff because everything will filter through. Who has a Brita water filter? Who knows what Brita water filters are? Brita water filters are great. Sometimes they work incredibly fast. Sometimes they work incredibly slow. What a Brita water filter is, is a jug that you put in your fridge, and it has this filter that all of the water trickles down through, right? And inside of that filter is a bunch of charcoal, a bunch of tiny little rocks that everything filters through and comes out on the other side, and your water is supposed to be <gasps> pure and clean. This devastates me that this just fell <laughs> It's your water is supposed to be pure and clean. And that's what Jesus is similarly, similarly saying here, is that if you filter your life, your experiences, your desires, your thoughts, and your actions, all through loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, and your strength, then everything else will come into line because it's filtered through that lens. You picking up what I'm putting down? Okay, well, as I was thinking about this, the next, the next thought I had was this, as I was pondering it, is that a lot of believers have bad theology about the Old Testament. Theology is our understanding and our belief of the Word of God. That's what theology basically is. But a lot of people say, well, that's in the Old Testament. It doesn't apply anymore. That was the Old Testament. I don't have to listen to that. That was the Old Testament. I don't have to do that anymore because that was in the Old Testament. And that's not actually true. There are things in the Old Testament that Jesus, when he came, went on the cross, that he changed the way that we look at those things. But it didn't abolish everything in the Old Testament, did it? So Jesus is referring here to what we call the Ten Commandments. So I want to show you these Ten Commandments. But hang on. Before you put it up, Jaden. Whew, that was close. Who, who knows all the Ten Commandments? Yeah, a lot of us kind of like, oh, we know, we know some of the Ten Commandments. We can say some of the Ten Commandments. If we, if we sat down with a pen and a paper, we might be able to write some of them down. But a lot of us don't really think a lot about the Ten Commandments. But let me tell you this. The Ten Commandments are still relevant. Jesus, when he came, Jesus didn't wipe out the Ten Commandments. Those Ten Commandments are there. What Jesus did was change the way that when we cross the boundaries of the Ten Commandments, how we interact with God from then. That's what Jesus did. Before that, when you broke the laws in the Old Testament and you did something wrong, you had to go sacrifice doves and calves and goats and sheep and all kinds of things, and the blood of those animals made you clean temporarily. But when Jesus came, what Jesus' blood did was washed you clean, and so then you could be forgiven of those sins. You didn't have to go sacrifice an animal. But those, some of those laws, like the Ten Commandments, still apply. You're still not supposed to murder people. You're still not supposed to covet your neighbor's house or his wife or, his, or her husband. You're still not supposed to lie. Jesus didn't do away with those things. And that's why he's referring here, when the guy comes to him and says, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, strength. Why? Because that was one of the commands that God gave the children of Israel. So look up here with me and let's look, first of all, what the, the Ten Commandments are. Just to give you a little refresher, because... I know you all know these, but sometimes I forget. So I wanted to read them together with you. So number one here, 
uh, no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself any idol. Number three, you must not misuse the name of your God. Whew. Whew. Hmm. Whew. Okay. Remember, what? This is, this is one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember Sundays. Keep them holy. Remember a day in your week where you're supposed to rest. That was a command from the Lord. Mm, yes. Yes, it was. Um, honor your father and mother. What? This still applies in 2022? Yes. Yes. And we could go off on a whole tangent right here. <sighs> honor your father and mother. Yep. <laughs> The Bible says this is the first command with the promise. I don't know if you know it's not, but that promise is, is that you will have a long, good life. Who wants to have a long, good life? Okay, here's the key. Honor your father and mother. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, honor your father and mother. You didn't say that like you meant it. You're like, this guy's crazy. What's this guy talking about? Okay, honor your father and mother. Number six, you must not murder. In case you were wondering, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And you must not covet. These are the Ten Commandments. These are what God gave to the children of Israel on the mountain. He said, hey, govern your life by these. these. These are some guidelines for you to how to live. And Jesus comes along in Matthew. We just read and says what's the greatest of these and go back to number the first slide there Jaden. jesus said the greatest of these is love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind strength love your neighbor as yourself and if you see here in these two it says no other god before me and you shall not make for yourself any idol now open your bibles with me and we're going to look in exodus chapter 20 and we're going to look at this verse real quick together Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to start, we'll just start at verse 1. It's not on the screen there, but you can read along and whatever electronic device you have. Or if, if you have a Bible, it's amazing. It's so good to have a Bible. Let me, let me tell you this, just a side note. I was thinking about this the other day because I have my iPad, and my iPad has all kinds of Bibles on it. But... I don't want to go too far on this, and I'll get back on track in a second. You should buy yourself some Bibles because it won't be long before Bibles are gone and you can't find them anywhere. It won't be long before somebody says, this is all filled with hate speech, so we're not going to allow you to print it anymore. And because it's hate speech, we're going to get rid of the apps. We're going to get rid of any way for you to read the Bible. That's, guys, it's going to be coming down the road sooner or later. So you might want to invest in some kind of Bible, some kind of paper thing so that you've got it so that when that does happen, you can still go to the Word of God and read for yourself what God says. Just, just a thought. Just a thought. Just a thought. Don't rely on technology for everything because, anyways, Exodus chapter 20 is where we were at. Uh, says, then God gave the people all these instructions. It was the Lord giving these instructions. He says, I'm the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. Little G. 
little g. He says, you must not have any other God with a little g before me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship. We're going to talk for a few minutes. Jacob, can you bring me that thing over here? That, this, I don't want to drop my Bible again. Uh, we're going to talk for just a few more minutes about little g's in our life. Listen. Thank you, sir. We all have little G's in our life. I want to tell you what this word, he's, he's talking about God here. In, in, the, in the Hebrew, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek. So this word God, when he says you shouldn't have any other God before me, it's a little G. And if you look up that word, it's the, it's the Hebrew word Elohim. And it literally means God. So when God was talking, he was talking to a group of people who lived in a day and age where there were many gods. It wasn't just Jehovah. It wasn't just Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, the God of the, of the children of Jacob. It wasn't just him. There was also Baal. There was Dagon. There was all kinds of other gods that people chose to serve and worship, who, by the way, were gods. They were demons. Okay? And so God is saying to them, you shall not have any other gods before me, little g. And you shouldn't make little idols and you shouldn't bow down and worship them. No other gods before me. But I want to tell you today, I want to, and I want to stop, and I want you to think about this in your own life. What kind of little g's do you have in your life that you serve and that you worship? Because if we're honest, we probably all have some gods that we bow down to and that we serve and we worship. And we shouldn't, but we do. And God says in the Ten Commandments, the rules to govern our life by, the way that we should walk and the way we should live, he says, you should have no other gods before me. Now, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which is a great translation of the words. It's, it's got like a biblical foundation when he wrote this dictionary. Let's look at this word that he used for God. His first definition of God in the dictionary. This is not like the Christian dictionary. This was, you all know Webster and his dictionary, right? You can still go to the bookstore and buy Webster's dictionary. And it's like the standard. Don't Google words because you'll get all kinds of weird. Use a dictionary. Anyways, Webster's is like the standard of dictionaries, okay? It's like the dictionary. And he says in his 1828 publication of the dictionary, he said God is... This is what God is. You want to know what God is? God is this. The supreme being, Jehovah, the eternal and infinite spirit, the creator and the sovereign of the universe. Man, that was in the dictionary in the year 1828. I like that dictionary. But he goes on. He gets some other translations. So then he also says this. It's a false god, a heathen deity, an idol. There are other gods in, in our life. There are other gods that you can worship and serve. And then he goes on and says one more thing. Any person or thing exalted too much in estimation or deified and honored as the chief good. Hang on a second. In case you didn't get that, we're not talking about worshiping some god named Flula now that you have found on some Polynesian island and say, I'm going to worship this God. He says, any person or thing 
that you have exalted and said, this is now my God. This now is how I govern and run my life. This is what's the most important thing to me, and I run my life by making this thing happy. Jaden, did, did we put in Philippians chapter 3? Do we have that? Okay, let's put up Philippians chapter 3. I want to read this to you for a second. This is a real, we're having so much fun here, guys, I know. I can, I can hardly contain it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 19. And I, I want to show this to you based off of what the dictionary definition that we just read in Webster's was. Paul is writing this letter. Paul and Timothy, it says, the beginning of Philippians chapter 1, are writing to these people. And he says, this is the Amplified Translation, which means there's a lot of words on it. That's why there's so many words on this screen. But he says, whose fate is destruction, whose God is their belly, their worldly appetite, their sensuality, their vanity, and whose glory is in their shame, who focus their mind on earthly and temporal things. Look again at that phrase right here. Whose God is their what? Whose God is what? You don't say it like you believe it. Whose God is what? Their belly. And then he says, the Amplified Translation says, their belly, what's their belly? Their belly is their worldly appetite, their sensuality, and their vanity. So you can make anything your God that you bow down and serve to. And the Lord has said, you should have no other gods before me. So I was thinking about this, and I wrote like a small list down of things that could be our gods. Do you know that your family can be your God? Your family, your kids, your marriage, your husband, your wife. Do you know that you can make them your God? You're like, what do you mean by that? I mean that you have chosen to exalt this idea, this concept, this thing above what God says. That making those people happy is the most important thing to you. Do you know that you can make money your God? Well, of course, we all knew that. We see people do that every day. Where getting money is the most important thing to them. Where financial security is what they are after. And they say to themselves, if I can just be financially stable so that when I retire at the end of my life, I've got something to live on. This is now my God. And everything I do, I want to make sure is in line with what that thing says. Freedom 55. That's what I heard growing up. I think that's a lie. Do you know you can make your schooling a God? Your education your God? You can make your career your God? You can make your body your God? Do you know that you can make your freedom your God? Don't tell me what to do. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. You can't tell me not to because I'm free. I'm going to filter everything I do through that freedom. Do you know that you can make your personality your God? This is my personality. This is who I am. You can't silence me. I'm my own person. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to say what I want. And I'm going to do everything I can just to be my own individual. 
Do you know you can make politics your God? Do you know you can make COVID your God? Don't look at me like that and don't pretend you don't know people that haven't made politics or COVID their God in this last two years. Come on. Do you know you can make, okay, okay, do you know that you can make social media your God? Oh, here's the most important thing to me. I got to get more likes on my picture. I got to get more followers on my picture. People have to see this. And so everything I do is about getting likes and promoting myself on social media. I want people to know I'm here. I want people to know that I'm preaching. I want people to know that I'm singing songs. I want people to know that I'm amazing and I'm like a Kardashian and I'm just famous for being famous. I don't know. People make social media their God. You can make sex your God. Come on now. It's like, you can, it's like you say certain things and you can feel the oxygen suck out of the room. Let's be real. You can make sex your God. You can make sex the most important thing to you. Why do you think, why do you think the pornography industry is so massive? It's massive. I think it's hitting trillions of dollars a year now. I remember back when the internet first started, me and Jen were first married, and it was like, it was like 97. We had a friend who was in the computer industry, and he told me that back then, 20-something years ago, back then, that 90% of the traffic on the internet back then was related to pornography. You can't tell me that people have not made sex their God. And I'm not just talking about the physical act of sex. I'm not talking about pornography. I'm talking about your sexual identification. I'm talking about every aspect of sex. How you identify. People have made that their God. There's all kinds of things. I feel like that's enough of my list. I feel like you're all listed out from my list. There's all kinds of things that we all choose to make gods in our life. But the Lord has said to us, you shall have no other God before me. And Jesus said, what's the most important? What's the most important commandment? You're asking me what the most important commandment? It's interesting to me that Jesus had an answer for what he thought the most important commandment was. And his answer was, was basically to love God beyond everything else. To make God your life. To make everything else secondary to your relationship and your desire for more of God in your life. What's the most important thing? What's the most important commandment that God ever gave? Basically that Jesus is saying that I ever gave. Love God with all that you have. Everything else flows through that. Please do not answer this question out loud. And don't feel like you have to answer this question out loud. But I want you to think about what you have made God's in, in your own life. What are you bowing down to? What are you serving? Is it a relationship? Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it your career? Is it your education? Is it social media? Is it music? Is it sex? What is it that you have made a God in your life that you filter everything through how that thing perceives and affects your life? And God's saying, I don't want that thing to be higher than me. 
Webster, his dictionary definition of what a God was, that third one, was something that you have put too much emphasis on. And you've said this is important. And he's saying you're saying things are more important than they really are. Listen, financial stability and security, those are great goals. But it should not be a God that you serve because that God will let you down. Listen, all these things that I listed, in, in order, most of those things are good things. They're things that God gave us, that God desires. God wants you to have financial stability. He wants you to have financial security. Of course he does. He wants you to have a marriage that's in order. He wants your kids to be serving the Lord. He wants your family to be a good family. All those things are good and right. They're just not supposed to be higher than God. The final say in your life should always be, well, what does the Lord say? Not, well, what will my bank account say? What will my kids say? What will my wife say if I do this? What will my husband say? You know, at the end of the day, the answer is, it doesn't matter. What does matter is what God says. And you'll know what your God is by what you ask in your own mind. When you think about doing something, you say, well, what about this? Well, what about if I, what about this? And you realize when you begin to ask those questions that you have elevated something higher than the Lord in your life. And it should not be that way. So let's look at one passage of scripture together and uh, we'll wrap this party up. And everybody said, oh man, I can't wait. Side note, does it feel very warm in here? No? Is everybody okay? I feel like it's very warm in here. No? Judges chapter 10 is where I want to go. Little G's. Little G's. Little G's. What little G's do you have in your life? What things in your life do you bow down and serve? What things in your life have you allowed into your heart? What things in your life have you allowed to take a place of importance and eminence that they shouldn't have? Judges chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 6, and we're going to read down to 16. I'm just going to make a couple points, and then we'll be done here. Listen, I want to remind you, though, um, the children of Israel, if you ever look at your life and, and you feel like, man, I'm a failure. I've made a mistake after a mistake after a mistake after a mistake. One of the great things about the Word of God is that you can go and look at other people in there who made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, and the Lord's goodness, the Lord's grace, and the Lord's mercy was always there for them. I, I particularly love that about the children of Israel, God's chosen people. You can read, man, I feel like the children of Israel are like the Peter of the Old Testament. You know how Peter in the New Testament was always saying the wrong thing? He was always like cutting off somebody's ear. He was always telling Jesus the opposite of whatever Jesus said. You're going to deny me three times, Peter. No, Lord, I'll never deny you. And literally like hours later, Peter denies him three times. I feel like the children of Israel are like Peter in the Old Testament. They're always serving the Lord. Oh, we love you so much. Oh, this is shiny and new over here. Let's go serve this God. And they run off and goes, terrible things happen. And they come back to the Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. I've made a mistake. He's like, okay, I forgive you. And they begin to serve the Lord again. Like, oh, what's over here? And they, it's children of Israel. So you can always, when you're reading the word of God, 
you can always find yourself in there. Judges chapter 10, the book of Judges is after the book of Joshua. Up to this point, they had Moses leading them. Moses died, then Joshua became the next leader. Joshua has died, and the children of Israel were leaderless. And so the Bible says in the book of Judges that God began to raise up judges, people who judged the children of Israel, to guide and to lead them. Okay? So here we are in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 10, verse 6, starts off with this great sentence. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They served the images of Baal and Ashtaroth and the gods of Aram, Sidon, Moab, Ammon, and the Phil- um, Philistia. They abandoned the Lord and no longer served him at all. Listen, we all make mistakes. We all go astray. We all serve things that we shouldn't serve. Can I get an amen? We're all human. But we serve a God who is so good, so gracious, and so merciful to us. It says, so the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to the Philistines and the Ammonites, who began to oppress them that year. For 18 years, they oppressed all the Israelites east of the Jordan River in the land of the Amorites, that is, Gilead. The Ammonites also crossed to the west side of the Jordan and attacked Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. The Israelites were in great distress, and in verse 10 it says, finally... After 18 years, they cried out to the Lord for help, saying, We have sinned against you because we've abandoned you as our God and have served the images of Baal. Isn't it interesting that they stayed in in this place of torment and being attacked for 18 years? They stayed in this place of serving other gods for so long, even though their world was falling apart and everything was going going to hell in a handbasket, they were staying there serving these other gods for 18 years, it says. And finally they came to their senses and said, man, we've made a mess mess of things because we're serving other gods. we got to turn around and we got to go back to the Lord. Listen, in our own lives, sometimes we just keep serving the wrong things. And God's trying to get your attention. He's trying to open your eyes. He's trying to speak to your heart and say, hey, you don't got to keep walking on that path. That thing is going to let you down, but I won't let you down. Don't keep serving those things. It's going to lead you astray. Come back over here. Sometimes we stay in those patterns for far too long. But here's the great news. is Even no matter how long you stay in that place, the Lord is always right there waiting for you to say, I messed up, I made a mistake, and I'm sorry. Verse 10, finally they cried out to the Lord for help, saying, we've sinned against you because we abandoned you as our God and have served the images of Baal. Let's skip down to verse 16. And this is my last little point here. And this, this is how easy it is. This, is. this is how simple and how easy it is to repair things. Verse 16 says, The Israelites put aside their foreign gods and served the Lord. You just choose to put aside your foreign gods and go back and serve the Lord. Joshua said in Joshua 24, I think verse 14 and 15, but as for me and myself, he's he's talking to the children of Israel, and he says, you guys need to choose for yourself who you're going to serve, what gods you're going to serve, who you're going to bow down to, who you're going to let govern your life. And he says, but as for me and my house, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. 
you could be sitting in this place, and, and my hope is, is that the Lord is speaking to you as I am talking. That you're not hearing my words, that you're hearing the Spirit of God speaking to you. And that my hope is, is that he is talking to you about some things in your heart and your life that maybe you have allowed to become God's little G in your life. And he's saying to you today, I don't want you to serve that anymore. It's not going to turn out the way that you hope and the way that you desire. Come back to me. And all you have to do is just like the children of Israel did right here in verse 16. Put aside your foreign gods and return to the Lord. What does that mean? It means this, that as God reveals things to you, as God speaks to you and shows you things in your heart and in your life, that you say, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I was doing that. You say, I'm so sorry, God. I didn't mean to. I don't want to serve this thing. Please forgive me. And I'm coming back over to you. I don't want to walk down this path. I want to walk down the path with you. I want to walk down the path of righteousness. I want to walk down the path of life. I don't want to walk down a path that's all janky and full of rocks because I'm going to fall and I'm going to hurt myself and it's not going to go good for me. I want to be where you want me to be. So the choice lies squarely with you. It said, they chose. You choose. You return to serve the Lord. It's a choice that you make. I can't make that choice for you. And I can't, I can't enforce that choice in your life. My job is to help you see what the Word of God says. My job is to try and point things out to you and say, hey, this might not be what you think it is. This might not take you where you think it's going to take you. This might not end up the way that you think it might end up. That's actually not what the Lord is saying in this situation. This is, that's my job. My job is to help you try and follow along the Lord, to hear his voice, to see clearly what he's saying to you, and to head that way. So all I can do is pray and believe God for you and point out to you the truth of the word of God. Stand up with me. I want to I pray with you today. And I just want to pray that God reveals some things to us. This isn't, this isn't something that I can lay my hands on you for. The Bible talks about laying on of hands. I can't lay my hands on you and pray for something like this. This is something that the Lord needs to speak to you about. This is something the Lord needs to reveal to you about what's going on in your heart, what you value, what you've raised above a level of importance that it should be. The angels just started singing. So let's take a minute together. Let's close our eyes. And if you want to, if you're comfortable, raise your hands to the Lord. Put your hand on your heart. Whatever you're comfortable doing, raising your hands is simply a sign of surrender. That's why we raise our hands in church. When we sing worship songs, we're saying, I surrender to you. I lift my hands because you're greater than I am. I'm surrendering to you. I always put my hand on my heart lots of times when I'm praying, when I'm worshiping, because it's a sign for me of remembrance that my heart belongs to the Lord, that I'm giving my heart to him, that I'm giving my whole self to him. So whatever you like to do, let's do that. And I want to pray right now for each and every one of us.
Father, I thank you all across this place that by your great spirit, you are bringing revelation, that you are bringing understanding. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that in these next few moments that you begin to point out and show us maybe areas of our life where we have served other gods, where we have served foreign gods, where we have exalted and lifted other things up higher than you, where we have said, I'll follow this over saying, I will follow you. Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you are showing, those us, showing us those things in our heart and in our life so that we can be transformed and changed, so that we can say, God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to follow those things. I don't want to follow those things. I want to follow you. So, Father, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you point out to each and every one of us things that we are serving that are not of you. And I want you just now, in your own way, in your own words, in your own voice, just to say to the Lord, show me, God. Just say, show me. Show me my heart. Show me what I'm serving. Show me if I've wandered off. Show me if I've lifted something up above you, beyond you, greater than you. And if he shows you something, all you've got to do is say, I'm sorry, God. I don't want to follow those things. And you say this, Jesus, I'm sorry, I repent. I repent, Jesus. I don't want to walk that path. I don't want to serve those foreign gods. Jesus, what I want is more of you in my life. Jesus, I serve you above everything else, above every other relationship, above any job, above any career, above any education, above any other thing that has a name or can be named, Jesus. I lift you higher than those things. Father, I thank you that by your spirit, you continue to speak to us. You continue to reveal things to us. Father, I thank you that we are being molded and shaped more in your image. Father, forgive us for maybe walking away. Forgive us for serving other things. We repent, Jesus. Our heart's desire is for more of you and less of us. Jesus, we love you. We give you all the praise and glory. And we all said, amen. I want to encourage you one last thought. I want to encourage you with this. The Lord spoke to you about something that you, that, that you were doing in your life, something that you were serving. I encourage you to write it down somewhere. It's always good to write down things when the Lord talks to you so that you can go back and look at it later. You don't have to show it to anybody else. You don't got to go tell somebody unless you want to tell somebody but make a note somewhere and put a date beside it so you can say, you know what? The Lord showed me this about myself on this day and I said I wanted to change. There's, it's, it's good to put action to what the Lord speaks to you about. Does that make sense?
So I encourage you, if the Lord spoke to you about anything, I encourage you to do that. Write it down, put, it, put a note in your phone, do something so that you can remember what God said to you today. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that His Spirit, His love, and His life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.